today comes from Ecclesiastes. Oh, I should have worn my royal stole. Darn it. Okay, I'll do that next week. Okay? I'm not wearing cardinals today. There we go. Okay. Uh, I'm not. Don't tell me what I said. <laughs> okay, Ecclesiastes is where we're going to go. And Ecclesiastes, I believe, is right after Proverbs. So, about the middle of your Bible, over two chapters. And we're going to go chapter 5.
gets to be a way in which you can show God your love and um, your support. So this series, Enough, is fantastic. It actually comes from Adam Hamilton's church, Church of the Resurrection, and it is fantastic. It's an answer to what has been commonly been called the problem of the American dream, right? Has anybody heard that American dream? I mean, we're Americans, right? We know what this is. So I was thinking to myself, I've got some slides here to show you. The American dream, da-da! It's a little sticker, right? Living the American dream, it's actually um, something <laughs> a lot of uh, political campaigns will try to get you to put these stickers on, right? So living the American dream. So what does the American dream look like for you? Well, for me, it looks a little something like this. You guys know who this is? Right? Leave it to Beaver, right? The cleavers, everything's perfect, everything gets solved at night. There's always enough money for everything. Though I do want to be a little bit honest here. It's not so much this for me as the American dream would be this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? All right, it's coming out in December. Have I said that, Star Wars? I'm a big fan. I mean, we could just stop to right now and we can go watch. Anyone want to watch the new movie? Okay. All right. But here's the problem, especially with the economy, the way that things have been. It's not so much this as it is this, right? You know, 2008, everything just sort of crashed, and people lost lots of money. People lost homes foreclosure, all these things that are happening in people's lives. And so the problem really is then, is this American dream to have the wonderful things, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, is it really working for all of us? Well, I want to tell you something. It's not really about the American dream. It's about what God's plan is for you. And that, I think, is an important place to start. Um, the American dream um, is not necessarily God's plan for you, okay? Because God doesn't promise us that we are going to have lots and lots and lots of money, that everything is going to always be okay, and that we're never going to struggle. Is that a problem, that, that, or is that a thing that God promises? No. God promises us a few things. One is that he is never, ever, ever, ever going to leave us. Amen? always going to be with us. And that no matter what you do, no matter what sin it is that you have committed, right, God's still going to love you. So the American dream is not what God promises us, but God promises us something better. He promises us that he's never going to leave us, and no matter what we do, he unconditionally loves us. But this problem with the American dream is, is a problem of, of our country, of our communities, and it's, it's something that's just not going away, you know? Um, when I was growing up in Raymore, um, don't hold that against me. Is anyone not in Raymore around here? Okay, well, we're Sharon and Kent. They're not here. Okay, good. They're from Belton. <laughs> but Pat, you're from Belton, too. You still like me? Okay, good. Okay, good. You like me? Oh, it's silver. Oh, okay, so you're from Raymore. All right. Okay, um, so when I lived in Raymore, uh, there were a lot of these people that have this um, disease. It's called influenza. <laughs> right? In fact, my parents' next door neighbor had this. They bought this 
that's um, wonderful. And when the family came in to buy this house, they paid cash for it, and they had um, they pulled up with their trucks and their brand new Hummer. Does anyone here have a Hummer? Before I go further. Okay. Now I want to tell you something about Rainbow. Um, you don't need to drive a Hummer in Rainbow. There's no hills, right? There's no mountains to go over. But they pulled up and they bought this brand new house that they had built for them. And when um, the economy sort of crashed in 2008, they lost their home, they lost their cars, they lost everything. That house now is actually a multi-family house that they rent out to uh, low-income people, Section 8, um, in this neighborhood that my parents live in. Now, I'm telling you this not because um, you know I wanted to talk badly about Raymore because I do love Raymore, but because it's a problem that we all have. Now, when these people came into this house, they had all the money in the world. But then they started living on credit, um, living beyond their means, and not able to keep the things that they had. And so when that stuff happens, we sort of get out of control in our life. So this affluenza, right, was their problem. But it was also credititis. That's the other problem that they had, you know? And they learned the really, really hard way that uh, keeping up with the Joneses is not necessarily the most important thing in this world. See, God is very specific about money, and Jesus is very specific about money, and he talks to us about that throughout the entire Bible. Um, Jesus talks about money as actually more than anything else, and he's not talking about it as a way to make you feel guilty, because that's not what's happening. He's talking about it as a way to show you what you're supposed to do. He gives us these principles of how we're supposed to live our life. But when we have these problems of, um, you know, influenza and credititis, I just want to share this with you. The average credit card debt in 1990 was about $3,000. Okay? The average credit card debt today for a single person is $9,000. Oh the average sale is about 125% higher if you buy something on credit than if you pay cash for it. You know, credititis is not limited just to purchases made with credit cards. It extends to car loans, mortgages, and other loans. The life of the average car loan and home mortgage continues to increase, while the average American saving rate continues to decline. So the problem is, it's not so much a money problem as it is a spiritual problem. You see, when we're not spending money the way that God would have us spend, we are going against his plan for our lives. Am I making you uncomfortable? Because I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to state some facts to you here. God has a specific plan of what we are supposed to do with our money. 
Now this church, God has a very specific plan, and I feel like, I want to tell you this, this is the God honest truth, I feel like God has sent me here to help us pay off the debt. Right? I think we could do it in three years. We're going to try to roll that out. A three-year plan to pay off the debt. Does that scare anybody? I know it makes Julie Gale excited. Because I think we can do it. Because the financial problems, not just of our personal finance, but the financial problems of the church have been weighing on this church for a very long time. But we've been blessed. So it's a breathing room. And that breathing room was a gift to us given by Glenn Welton. Amen? Amen. And we're going to pay down a large portion of the debt that we owe, and our payment is going to be lower. And we're going to start knocking this debt out, people. Because it's what God requires of us. Right? Now, I know this sounds really crazy, but it's not just this church that have had this problem. Okay? It's churches all across the United States that have had this problem of money. And what's happened, and I'm sure of it, and I know that many of you have heard me say this. Do y'all remember that movie, Field of Dreams? I love Field of Dreams, don't you all? Kevin Costner and baseball, you can't get any better than that, right? And what do they say? If you build it, they will come, right? This has been the problem of churches across the United States. Everyone watched that movie together. I think they all got together at one big conference and said, let's do it, let's build these big, huge buildings, and everyone will come. And guess what happened? No one came. People didn't come. Now we think that $800,000 of debt is a big deal. I've served churches with twice that. That we're sinking beneath the debt. And so as a church, what we have to do is be mindful of what's going on. And as people, individuals in that church, we have to be mindful of what we spend our money on. Not because we're needing to keep the lights on about that at all. It's about what God requires of you in your faith. We need a change of heart so that we can move from trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to keep getting more and more and more and more and more stuff. And we need to move into what God would really have us do and what God really requires of us with our time, with our money, with our commitment to him. And that's what I'm going to be talking about over these next four weeks. So I want you all to turn with me in your Bibles. <clears throat> We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verses 8 through 10. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, 
Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When we are in our lives, spending beyond our means, doing what we should not be with our money, when we are uh, not being faithful to what we have, we are putting money before God. And there are very clear instructions from Jesus, from God the Creator, of what we're supposed to do with our money. And living beyond our means is not one of them. What we need to do is simplify our lives. That means that we don't always have to have the newest thing, right? We don't always have to have the latest this or the latest that. We need to simplify our lives and silence the voices that are constantly telling us that we need more. You know, this week, even I fall to that. Um, Jeremy and I, for our wedding, we got this uh, really nice bamboo uh, utility drawer, like silverware holder. What's that thing called? Silverware. What? Silverware. Oh, silverware holder. <laughs> So the silverware is in chaos all over the drawer. Right? Anybody? No one talking about? Okay. Whew. It's in chaos. And so my answer was to Jeremy, let's throw it away and get something new. And so Jeremy said, honey, aren't you doing that sermon this week? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it when he's right. And he took it out. And it just needed to be back Right? It wasn't broken, just you know, put it together. You see, we do that with a lot of stuff in our life. Let's just throw it away, let's just get rid of it, let's just buy something new, let's just this, let's just that. God does not want us to frivolously spend the money that He has entrusted to us. So we have to live sort of counterculturally by living below, not above, our means. We have to build into our budgets the money to pay for things with cash. Because I want to tell you something, you may not know this, okay? <clears throat> Christmas is always December 25th. <laughs> it's not an emergency. It's not. It's always December 25th. We need to be able to budget our money to be able to accordingly spend the way that God would have us. And we also need to budget into our money, budget into our lives, to be able to give generously and faithfully. Does anyone here take in financial peace? It's just us? Just two. Do you know what financial peace is? Dave Ramsey? We're going to be teaching in January. Financial Peace is an excellent program, especially if you feel like you didn't get the knowledge that you needed to growing up on how to budget. Financial Peace is an excellent program. Our entire finance team will be taking this class as well, and we're going to be offering it to the community, and we're going to be listing it in the community um, services as one of the classes to teach. I have taught this class. I have taken this class. This class has changed my life. 
and its biblically-based principles on budgeting. Because here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be in debt. God doesn't want you to be unhappy. God doesn't want you to live with credititis or influenza, right? God doesn't want those things for you. In fact, the best things that you can find don't cost money at all, do they? The very best things, like the family that's sitting around you, the love that you have for other people, what's going on in your life. Now, I am not sure where any of you are financially. Maybe you all wrote the burden of finances on that card because of the finances of this church. But let me tell you something. We have some really smart financial people, and what we're going to do is we're going to listen to them. And we're going to follow what they have to say. We need to be responsible for our lives, and we need to stop looking at all these other things to make us happy. Because it starts with money, but when money can't make us happy, or the lack of money can't make us happy, it often is moved into other things, drugs and alcohol and terrible things like that. <clears throat> that we ruin our lives because we're really seeking to fill a void in our life that can only be filled with God. You hear me say that? Because each and every single one of us have this void. We do. It can only be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the only place. It cannot be filled with money or <coughs> drugs or alcohol or whatever you have. It can only be filled by God. And every single one of us have that need, have that <coughs> desire for something more, right? That is our human desire for God, to seek Him. And when our worth, our self-worth, is put in God, we can do anything. So, here's my challenge to you this week. It has nothing to do with tithing, because did you notice that I had you tithe before you heard the sermon? <laughs> I'm thinking, thinking through it. What I want you to do is to go home tonight. If you were one of those people that wrote finance on your cards, if you were one of those people that are struggling, what I want you to do is let's make a budget. Okay? What that means is you write down in one column how much you make. And the next column, you're going to write down what your bills are. You can go online, you can find easy budgets that can show you how to budget in gas, how to budget in uh, money for food, how to do, you go find that. But if you're struggling with finances, the first place to start right now today to be more faithful to God, to be more faithful with what he has given you, go home and make a budget. It's going to make you feel really, really good. Now. Try not to argue too much with your spouse when we do this. Because <laughs> it's the truth. These things happen. If you are somebody that has a budget and you're perfectly fine and you have no problems at all, I have a challenge for you. I need you to go home and I need you to pray every single day for people who are struggling with money. If you are not one of them, that is fantastic. But God is still requiring something from you. Pray every single day this week for people who are struggling with their budgets and their money, okay? 
So either go create a budget if you don't have one, or pray for those who are creating those budgets. Now, these things are hard, these things are hard to talk about, and let me tell you, a lot of you look like deer in the headlights to me this morning. Oh God, she's talking about money. I don't care, personally, whether or not you tithe. It's not why I'm up here talking to you this morning. God cares. And it's between you and God what you do with your time and with your money. And it is your choice. And it is your decision. And it is your covenant that you make with God. I can only tell you what God is requiring. So I pray for you this day that, first of all, that you're not angered by what I said, that you can find some hope, especially if you're struggling right now with money. There is hope. It's going to be okay. You're going to make it through. It's going to be all right. That you would know that God will never, ever, 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 ever leave you. Right? And there's nothing that you can do, not one thing, to make him stop loving you. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for all that you have given us this day. Thank you for giving us what we need for filling the void in our lives. We ask for your blessing. In your loving name we pray.